Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. You got an email this week. Uh, before I get started, I want to I do this. You got an email this week from the church announcing uh, a retirement on our staff. Uh, for over 30 years, I believe it was 34 years, Cindy Johnson has served this church in different capacities, most recently as Director of Children's Ministry. Do y'all know Cindy? <laughs> Cindy's standing right back over there, and I want y'all to sh- tell her how much we appreciate her. SPRC will be announcing our, our interim plans. Uh, Cindy be with us. Uh, she'll be with us forever until they take her out of here feet first, I guess. Right, Cindy? Um, but she officially retires from her position uh, at Easter. And she and Tim are going to stay in our church and continue to be in ministry here uh, in a servant capacity. So, Today we're looking at the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Anybody not know the story of David and Goliath? That's why I had Cindy just read a few verses, because we all know the story of David and Goliath. Uh, Before I get started, I want to share with you one of the core beliefs of our church. For we believe that each of us are shaped and empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit for a continuing purpose. Further, we believe that the work of the Holy Spirit is still offering the divine gifts of the Holy Spirit to the believer. And one of the metaphors that Jesus uses in his ministry that actually is a metaphor that is used throughout the scriptures is that of living water. Because from Jerusalem to Galilee, in a near desert environment, water was precious. And living water was that which flowed freely from the springs and down from the mountains. It was pure, it was fresh, and it gave life. And and so for Jesus to say, I am the water that gives life. Drink from me. It is a perfect metaphor of us drinking from the waters of the Holy Spirit Living water, life-giving, flowing. It is ours to accept. It is unstoppable, immovable. It is the divine divine presence providing to us meaning, hope, and power in the face of whatever comes. Now, the work of the Holy Spirit is perfect for the story of David. And it is not only perfect for the story of David, but in the uh, emotionally healthy spirituality, it will be the focus of the class, not this week, but the following week. So I hope you, uh, hope you can get into kind of unpacking what's happening in chapter 17 of Samuel as the story of David's 
defeat of Goliath takes place. And because the, the uh, victory of the shepherd boy over the massive giant, it's been used uh, in literature, in movies, as the underdog against the giant. That which is impossible becomes possible. We love it. We love it when the underdog gets, gets the best of the giant. Uh, because we, 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 we have hope when we see it happen that maybe we will be able to, to defeat our giants. David's victory is portrayed as miraculous and improbable. How did a shepherd boy with no more than smooth stones and, and a slingshot defeat this heavily armored 10-foot-tall giant? Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, David and Goliath Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants, makes the case that God had been preparing David for his entire life for this battle. As God prepares us for the battles that are before us. So I want to focus on how we think of our obstacles. How we, uh, how we look at the advantages that have been poured upon us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. That maybe we can move beyond what others think. Maybe we can move beyond our fears and expectations. To claim the person that God has called us and made us to be. For we are giant killers, one and all. So I'm going to deal with five lessons, and here they are. Be bigger than your fears. Just because the vast majority believes something doesn't mean it's true. Success begins in the quiet moments when no one is looking. Make use of what... You have been given. And finally, no matter how big the giant may be, our God is bigger. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words. And for all, O oh God, that I do not speak in my imperfection, may you fill in the gaps that we may hear today the word of God that you have prepared for us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 3,000 years ago, the armies of Judah and the Philistines gathered on hills overlooking the Valley of Elah. It wasn't the first time that they had gone to battle. And the leaders of these two armies had calculated the losses that would be theirs no matter who won the battle. And so they waited. For the army who went into the valley first would be giving up the high ground, and therefore they would be at a disadvantage. The Philistines outnumbered the Israelites, and they knew that, but still they did not want to take the first step. It was well into the waiting that one morning the giant Goliath appears in the middle of the valley, taunting the Israelites, calling them every name in the book disrespecting their God, goading them into a one-on-one -on -one combat where the winner would take the spoils and the loser 
the army of the loser would then surrender completely. No one took the challenge. Fear spread through the ranks of the Israelites. Even King Saul, in offering a reward, he did not get any results until, until, until. The shepherd boy David had been sent by his father to bring provisions to his three brothers who were serving in the army. And as he approached the army, he could hear Goliath in the background in his taunts. And so he began to ask questions. Who is this who disrespects our God? Who is this that disrespects the ranks of the Almighty? And what rewards shall be given? The story in 1 Samuel is more about faith and the approach of David than the combat. In fact, the combat... In, in chapter 17 is only two verses. Only two verses. It is the preparation. It is the faith. It is the, the readiness of David that leads up, that makes up the majority of the story and really the point of the story itself. As David deals with his brother's doubts, deals with uh, Saul's expectation that he become a warrior like all the others, and deals with um, the questions that the entire army had about this shepherd boy. You see, Saul was pushing David to be someone other than himself, other than what God had made him to be. And David resisted. The first of the lessons comes from verse 17. Seven, I'm sorry, 27. 17, 27. Where, David, where the, um, the writer of Samuel says, And David said to the men who stood by, What shall be done for the man who kills the, this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Be bigger than your fears. Now, I have no idea why David wasn't afraid. He had every reason to be afraid. Twice a day, for 40 days, Goliath had stood in the valley and had taunted the Israelites. And none of them dared to even approach nor even think about making their way into the valley to take on the giant Goliath. And yet, David had been prepared for this moment for his entire life. And he was bigger than his fears. He had faith in the person God had created him to be. You see, we often settle for what is smaller than our fears. We settle for that which we know we can accomplish without taking a risk. We are paralyzed often. No matter what the situation or the decision to be made, it is before us to listen to the facts, to follow the direction of, of God. It may seem that David was being reckless here, but David knew himself. He knew that speed and flexibility would win the day, and he knew that his God was with him. Second, 
Just because the majority thinks something doesn't make it true. Just because the majority believes something doesn't make it true. In verse 33, Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he's been a warrior from his youth. For David to even make it to the battlefield with Goliath, he had to... He had to uh, overcome the collective opinion of the entire army of of Israel. These were older, seasoned, more experienced, battle-hardened men. And if a poll had been taken, 100% of them would say that to go into the valley to fight against Goliath was suicide. That's why you can't trust always public opinion. There will always be pressure for us to go along with public opinion. There will be always be pressure from the majority. And friends, whether we like it or not, as believers, as believers, we are in a minority. And we will always face the pressure of the majority to conform. But ours is to stay with our convictions. The majority of the people can be wrong. So as Christians, that's why we should never stray from the word, from the direction of God to follow that which is culturally acceptable. 100% of the the Israelites felt that it was impossible. And 100% of them were wrong. Number three. And this is probably my favorite. And it is the most understated of the lessons that we learned from David. Success begins in the quiet moments when no one is looking. But David said to Saul, your servant used, in verse 34 and 35, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. David had been preparing for years. It would be a gross exaggeration to think that David walked on the battlefield that day and just picked up a slingshot for the very first time and with, and with accuracy hit a bullseye on the forehead of Goliath. David had honed his skills over the years. Instead of just sitting around the campfire, you know, lazing around as a shepherd, David had continued to work to improve his skill. And and the scriptures don't tell us whether David knew that there would be a day when he would be challenged. Or whether David just wanted to be better. He wanted to be the man that God had created him to be. But for all of us, you see, that, that is our challenge. We hope, we hope that our lives will be uh, good and rosy. But the factor of the matter is we will all face giants. At one time or another, we will all face giants. We will all face challenges, whether they be on the outside or in the inside of our heart. 
And it is in the quiet moments before the challenge comes that we prepare. David knew. David knew the day would come. We want to fail the giant without doing the work. But the defeating of our giants begins in the quiet moments of prayer, consideration, the reading of scripture to prepare ourselves spiritually and emotionally for the day that will one day come. Number four, make use of what you have and what God has given. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag. In his pouch, his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Many people complain, and I, I know I'm guilty of this. Complain about what I don't have, what I need, what's holding me back. Have you ever said those words? If, it, it, it starts like this. If I just fill in the blank... Uh huh. If I just had a better job, if I just had better kids, if I just had better parents, you know, I mean, if I just, uh, I mean, we fill in the blanks with our excuses. But the truth is, we need to make use of what we already have. Compared to the armor and the weapons of Goliath, David seemed insignificant. After all, he had only a sling, five stones, and a staff. And, and, the, and the irony, this is such a great story. I mean, can you imagine David, you know, Saul putting on David all that armor and how silly David looked? And David refused it because David had been preparing. David had been, had been connecting with the person that God had, had made him to be and called him to be. And he knew that that was not who he was. He was to make use of what he had and what God was giving him. He had more than enough to get the job done. And he defeated Goliath despite the comparison in weight, strength, armor, and weapons. And notice in this chapter, not one time does David whine. Instead, he proclaims with faith what God is going to do. That's the genius of David. What everyone else saw is an asset, Goliath's massive uh, girth, his height, his armor, his ability. His, it was a liability to David. He just knew, David knew, that a slinger could take down a solitary, stationary object with ease. And so it is with us in facing our giants I think that's why Paul, the Apostle Paul, was so successful. And, and, he, and Cindy read it for you earlier there in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. He puts it this way. 
And I think the, the, the more that we ingrain this into our mind, the stronger we will be as brothers and sisters in Christ. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. With weapons we fight, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. No matter what our giant, if the giant looks imposing and, un, and, and unconquerable, Start by looking from a different perspective. Look from God's perspective. Look from a divine perspective. Look from a spiritual perspective. Look as God would see it. And if, and if clarity does not come to mind, seek out the advice and counsel of those, of other Christians. That's why God has brought us together in the church. We've been brought together to help each other, to encourage each other, to inform each other, to challenge each other. To direct and clarify for each other. Make use of what you have and what God has given, for it will be enough. And finally, no matter how big your giants, God is bigger. In verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. You know, David was prepared. David had defeated lions and bears. He knew how to, be, to hit a bullseye with a slingshot. He knew his own ability. But when he came against the Philistine, he didn't say what he was able to do. He proclaimed the power of God. Our God is bigger. Our God is bigger. In life, there will always be challenges. There'll be small challenges, minute challenges, big challenges, tiny, enormous. But the size of the challenge is irrelevant because that doesn't, ma that doesn't determine what is possible for God. For that which is in God's hands has potential beyond what our human minds can comprehend. And the only thing that, <laughs> that determines what is possible for us in our, is our belief mindset. If size mattered, as it did for the Israelites, David would not have been able to take on the giant Goliath with just a staff, five stones, and a sling. David knew the flow of God's Spirit that connects us with God. And that Spirit that flows through us like living waters, ever flowing, ever encouraging, ever <laughs> renewing, ever improving, ever making us what God has created us to be. And through it, we have the unlimited courage and a holy commitment to the work God has for us. That is ours. So, be bigger than your fears. And just because the vast majority believes something, it does not make it true. 
go to God. Success begins in the quiet moments when no one is looking. Make use of what you have and what God has given. And always remember without doubt that our God is bigger than any challenge that may be before us. I'm convinced that David knew in the moment that he stepped on that field, when he walked down into the valley, that he held the advantage. That Goliath was... Goliath was... He didn't have a chance. For when God is with us, the giants are never as big and powerful as we may think. At the core of who we are and as followers of Jesus Christ... We know that for every disappointment, God is already at work to bring something new. For when God is with us, we know in the deepest dark of the night, there will be a dawn. When God is with us, God is preparing us for the next challenge that we don't even see yet. When God is with us, the youngest shepherd boy can face the greatest giants. Because God has already placed within his pocket a sling. We have a God that is with us in all things. And our hope and our victory comes through the work of the Holy Spirit working with us as we drink fully and completely from the waters that come through our Savior the Holy Spirit. James Bryan Smith tells a story about he and his son going to an amusement park. And um, they got on this ride, this really kind of um, uh, roller coaster ride. And, and, and Smith, when he got on there, realized that as the teenager uh, uh, strapped them in, that his son was really too small for the... Uh, for the belt. And for the 90 seconds of the ride, Smith was terrified that somehow his son would break loose and fly off into the sky. Afterwards, his son was laughing and just having a great time. Let's do it again, Dad. Let's do it again. But Smith couldn't think, you know, why in the world wasn't this boy afraid? So at lunchtime, he said to him, son, Why weren't you afraid? I mean, that was really a scary ride. Did you see my white knuckles? (laughs) And the boy said, Dad, you were with me. I'm never afraid when when you were by my side. And so it is with us. God is with us. Amen.